In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. And good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of you out there. You know, I'm sitting here listening to that fabulous introduction and just doodling away and... I was paying attention. Have you ever been accused of not paying attention when you're doodling during a meeting or a conversation? Well, if you're like me, those doodles are helping you to assimilate information that you're hearing and and take that information out of the box. So listen up, you doodlers. Today's show is really going to empower you with some, some tools and knowledge to solve problems and share your ideas in new ways. Our guest is an amazing internationally acclaimed author and by showing pictures instead of words and how they can transform brainstorming communications, Dan Rome's best-selling book, The Back of the Napkin, launched a movement of sketchers, doodlers, and visual problem solvers all over the world. In fact, that caught the attention of everyone from the White House to Newsweek and CNN and was named Best Book of the Year by Amazon.com Business Week and the Financial Times. And now Dan has released another piece of art. Is his next major book called Blah, 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 What to Do When Words Don't Work. And I'm holding that big red book right here in my hands and we're going to learn more about it. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mindset, Dan Rome. Hi, Marla. Thanks for, thanks, thanks you for having me. <laughs> well, I can't tell you how excited I am, Dan, because I just, I love your work. I love your books. And it is, it's so exciting. You know, I see that you've been doing a lot of work in our political arena, trying to get the blog oh, up. <laughs> oh, let's not go down that path. Oh. <laughs> Right. Oh, I'm like, I've seen this. oh my gosh, I've seen this on your website. I'm like, go, Dan! <laughs> well, so, somebody's got to do it. Someone's got to try to be clear about some of these things. Oh, yeah. Oh, you poor soul. I don't know how you've been appointed, but I'm glad someone's doing it. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> All right. We'll get off the topic. <laughs> oh no, I'm happy to talk about it. I mean, in fact, there are a lot of wonderful war stories, for lack of a better term, uh, about some of the things that I've had an opportunity to do with various members of the government on all sides of the political spectrum, trying to clarify complex messages by doing what you just mentioned by drawing. Let's oh. talk a little bit less and let's draw a little bit more, and it's pretty remarkable what we can suddenly see. 
Yeah, it, it truly is. And I, I have to I have to share a little giggle here because your wonderful uh, publicist sent me a hard copy of your book. And, you know, I love it. But and, and I picked it up and I'm like, what? It's like full of words. What's going on, Dan? <laughs> I thought that, you know, I'm looking at all these great pictures. I'm thinking, wow, lots of words here, too. But it's fun. It's so much fun. Well, you know what I've tried to do in putting the books together, both the back of the napkin and now more recently with blah, 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 is it's interesting working with my publisher because I've been working with Penguin, you know, big, big publisher, the, the business uh, imprint portfolio that publishes lots and lots of very, very serious and successful business text. And this, the challenge that we've been having is that uh, in my books, I make sure that there is at least one or two drawings on every single page. And so, yeah, there are a lot of words. And, and the thing is, those words, more than anything else, are just helping to provide extra glue between the pictures because this is really the thing that I've learned with the new book is that, uh, you know, I, more than anything else, am a visual thinker, a pictorial person. I love to draw. I love to sketch. I love to doodle. And I realized that with my first book, The Back of the Napkin, which is all about solving problems by becoming very, very visual, that I was actually missing out on a huge piece which is the verbal part. And so with my second book, I said, okay, let's, let's double down. Let's not talk about just pictures. Let's talk about this incredibly powerful combination of what happens in our brain and in the brain of everyone we're, we're, we're discussing ideas with when we use both words and pictures. So let's double up the ante and, and the, the outcome is even better. Exactly. It really is. I am so impressed with this work. And uh, it's, it's, it's been fun to read. And, you know, it's affirming because so often our eyes just glaze over when we're listening to a lecture or a politician or just, you know, tutorials, whatever. And, and it's, it's so great to see this coming out in, in the way that you're bringing this information out that we're, we're all visual learners, everyone, even those of us that are more kinesthetic or what have you, we're all visual learners. Well, you know, there are some interesting statistics, just some sort of biomechanical informatic, if you like some fancy words there, (laughs) biomechanical informatics, how about that? Um, Some interesting data that we know about the human brain. And, you know, there's so much that we don't know, but there are so many fascinating things that we're learning. And I have over these last few years, spent as much time as I could trying to pursue what the vision scientists are beginning to unearth. How do we actually process uh, vision in our mind? Because it is an incredibly, it's a miraculous process. It's, it's pure magic. And we're starting to get a little bit of a handle on it. But one of the things that we know is we're now coming to realize that more of our brain is dedicated to the processing of vision than any other thing that we do. More of our brain processes vision than processes memory, orders of magnitude more than processes verbal verbal thinking we one could make the argument that by virtue of being human you know most people are kind of walking talking visual processing machines mm-hmm. and and the thing that's always struck me as just kind of absurd is that um, you know if you think about the way that we teach ourselves and teach our kids we never take advantage of that in any concrete uh, methodological way and Think of what we could do if we spent a fraction of the time that we spend learning to read and write. And don't get me wrong, learning to read and write is absolutely critical, absolutely. But imagine what we could do if we spent a fraction of that time giving our kids a couple of basic tools on how to take advantage of this vast amount of our brain 
that wants to see. You know, wouldn't that be incredible? And, and that's kind of my, my big soapbox and really in many ways the reason I wrote my book. And, and, and you're so right. You know, in, in my mind, I feel like I'm always translating words into pictures in order to, to fully assimilate what it is I'm hearing. And, I, you know, I mean, back in the caveman days, you know, they didn't have the words, isn't that right? And so they had to communicate in different ways. And we've kind of erased that, that natural innate ability that we have to do that. We have, you know, Marla, you're, you're dead on right. We have actually beaten the, our visual abilities out of our mind. We have intentionally, willfully beaten down our visual brain. Wow. And, you know, it, it's not something that happened instantly. In a way, one could kind of make the argument that we've spent about the last 5,000 years doing that. And you're right, 35,000 years ago, you know, the, old, the oldest markings, the oldest intentional markings we've ever found from, from um, anywhere on Earth are about 35,000 year okay. years old, found in the caves in central France, you know, the caves of Lascaux many people have heard about, and there's been mm-hmm. some more recent discoveries of even older caves. And they are, of course, these beautiful, incredibly beautiful drawings of horses and bulls and oxen. And, you know, we we don't know what people 35,000 years ago were doing. There is no other written record. I mean, this is it. If if you think about the entire swoop of of recorded human history, you know, this, this is the beginning. This is the first marks we found. So we can only assume that people were probably talking to each other. But there was no mechanism at that time for them to record those words. If there were, you know, we assume they were talking. They must have been. But there was mm-hmm. no way to write them down. So the only way to record what you were thinking, as far as we know, was through these pictures. And whether it was ritualistic, whether it was something we might today call more spiritual, or whether it was something that was more um, educational, we, we don't know, and we probably never will. But uh, we certainly know that we started out, our first marks on the wall were pictures, and, you know, they're already glorious. And then what's happened is, since that time, the first written languages emerged 5,000 years ago in the form of hieroglyphics in Egypt and cuneiform, not far over in what is now, um, you know, the, the, the Fertile Crescent kind of Iran and Iraq area. And that's where the two original uh, written languages emerged and it wasn't long, and they both started out pictorial. Hieroglyphics, of course, initially were entirely about pictures, as was cuneiform. Both of them, though, didn't take long before they started to become sound-based. And um, ever since then, as we've become more and more enamored of our ability to write down words, it has actually, which is magnificent, nothing wrong with that, that's brought us to where we are today and, you know, gives you and I the chance to talk as we're doing right now and, and people to listen to us. Um, but it's come at a cost. And the cost is, again, the sort of willful beating down of the part of our brain that wants to see and wants to record and wants to communicate through pictures. 
and you we know, can I, go... I could go on, but I'm going to take a breath. Oh. Oh, <laughs> I just take... get so excited about this I stuff. I know, so. I know. So do I, because it's like the re... it's like giving permission to rebirth a part of ourselves that's been shut down for so long, and and that for for those of us who are strongly visual, um, you know, that's it's just so exciting. And we're going to go into break, and when we come back, Dan, I'd like to learn more about why. I mean, it's pretty evident, but you've got more behind it. Why blah blah blah? <laughs> and uh, I'd love for you to tell us about the those the little fox and hummingbird <laughs> that you say are within us all. So we are going to go into break and make sure to check out today's Ink Magazine column, where you'll learn more from Dan at ink.com slash author slash Marla hyphen tobacco and you'll see the fun that Dan and I had there putting together some more information for you. We'll be right back. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, the holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness, how emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. 
And we are here with the author of the international bestseller, The Back of the Napkin. And Dan Rome has out a new and very exciting book, which I've just been enjoying so very much. Blah, blah, blah. What to do when words don't work. And so, Dan, that takes me to my my next question. I mean, why blah, blah, blah? Eye-catching. But is there more behind it? Yeah, you know, Marla, there's, there's, we, we touched very briefly on some of the political uh, discourse that's been emerging these last several months. And, you know, the more time I spend around uh, people in politics and people at high levels of business, the more I'm becoming convinced that uh, we're starting to talk so much that we're actually forgetting how to think. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a really sad phenomenon, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to, sure, such topics as information overload. Uh, there's simply so much stuff that we could try to process at any one time and all of that. Uh, but I think the real issue is that we're not listening to each other very well because we're not really thinking very well. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call blame on um, the fact that we've become so enamored with our verbal abilities. We've so thoroughly fallen in love with our ability to talk that we've convinced ourselves that being able to talk about a problem means we understand it. And in some cases that may be true, but most of the time I don't think it is. Words are a wonderful tool that help us take abstract ideas and make them clear. But, you know, Words are often a, also a tool that is really that are really easy to uh, to misuse or overuse or abuse, and I think that uh, when we get into conversations that are challenging or difficult or complex, we have a tendency to rely so much on our verbal abilities that we stop thinking about the actual problem we're discussing, and we get really caught up in our words. And that's where my title blah 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 came from because. You know, whether it's in politics, whether it's in business, whether it's in, in many topics, even, you know, sociology, psychology, so much of, of what's emerging eventually just starts to become this kind of impenetrable wall of words. And everybody is left glazed. And you mentioned it before. How many times have we ever been to a conference or been to a lecture or uh, been to a convention and another person gets up in front of us and starts their speech and pulls out their PowerPoint that's full of endless bullet lists and verbiage, and we all know what's going to happen. We're going to drift off. And it's not because the person is stupid. It's not because we're stupid. It's because our mind doesn't actually process complex ideas in a verbal fashion very well. And yet that's the only fashion most of us have ever been taught to try to communicate in. And again, I want to be clear, I am not trying to minimize the importance of literacy or effective reading or good writing. Those are critical. Mm -hmm. But what's happening is it's as if there's a whole toolbox lying in front of us, and every time we face a problem, we always pick up the hammer. You know, what about the saw? Or what about the screwdriver? Or what about the pliers? Why don't we ever use those? And of course, you know, metaphorically, I'm referring to our ability to talk a little bit less and draw it out. And then imagine what would happen if not only were we talking, but we were drawing at the same time. Wow. I mean, it is, it is, when I give it up and I give a talk, and I do this, oh gosh, hundreds of times a year now. In fact, this is most of the way I make my living these last four or five years is traveling around the world and talking about and demonstrating visually 
the power of, of visual thinking and solving problems with pictures. Um, and when I do that, I do a very simple thing, is um, I draw in front of the audience while I talk. And I have had people come up and say to me, people who spend way too much time at conferences, as many of us do, <laughs> come up and say, Dan, what you're actually doing is more like a magic show huh. than lecturing. And I say, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right. Because what I'm actually doing is I'm, in a very simple way, simply encouraging the brain of the people that I'm talking with to want to pay attention to me by virtue of the fact that I'm giving them visual input and verbal input at the same time. And all of a sudden, the whole brain lights up. All the cylinders start you know, going at the same time. And people cannot stop paying attention. It's exactly, I, I am happy to say that I often have the opposite problem from, from many public speakers, is that at the end of my time, nobody wants to leave. And it's, it's because it's magic. Combining the visual and the verbal it captivates our mind in a way that um, is just visceral. It's almost primordial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's playful, right? It brings out that inner child in all of us to be able oh, to see does, these Oh, it does, but be careful. Be careful, Marla, because, of course, we're talking about very, and I say this with sarcasm dripping <laughs> from my voice, we're talking about very, very sophisticated business audiences. And the right. last thing we would want to do is channel our inner child or, you know, let's, let, you know, that would be considered patronizing. So I never say that's what we're doing, but you right. nailed it. That is exactly what we're doing. Just don't tell anybody. Don't <laughs> tell anybody our secret. We'll just broadcast yeah. it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I, it's, it's interesting, and it's been fascinating, and boy, have I learned a lot of lessons from this incredible opportunity these last few years to share these messages with so many people. But I'll tell you, when I go in and ask to do a, a big corporate workshop, you know, we have 20 or 30 or one time I did 650 people at the room at the same time for half a day. We're going to solve a big business problem by drawing. And I, I approach it, of course, very seriously because there is a method. There's neurobiological rationale behind this, all the things that you need to justify, you know, bringing a bunch of business people together. But I have to tell the sponsor, I say, in this workshop, something unusual is going to happen, and I want you to be aware of it in advance so you don't panic. And what it is, is within about an hour of this half-day session, everybody is going to be laughing. And, you know, that's the last thing we want to have happen in a business meeting, right? This is serious stuff. So, but what happens is our mind laughs when our mind is happy. Our mind is happy when it feels free. Our mind feels free when it understands. The reason people are laughing is because their mind understands perfectly the topics that we're discussing, and our brain just lights up. And all of a sudden, all of the best ideas are going to emerge when we're relaxed. That's when our brain functions best, when our brain is relaxed and happy. And when we draw, that happens. And guess what? We discover ideas that would have been invisible. We are able to collaborate in ways that normally the politics of a business meeting would interfere with. You know, I know I go on, Marla, but boy, this stuff just works. 
It does. It does. Yeah. And it's it's such an exciting topic because, as you said, it's it's freedom. It brings us to that place of freedom where we feel, I'm sure, in your meeting stand, people feel much more free to express their ideas and and to speak up about their feelings about ideas. And, and it brings that other, that right side activity out, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And in fact, one of the things, again, I often will, um, in, in the preparation of a workshop, I will work with the sponsor or the corporate client or whoever it is in advance and say, look, I want you to understand that, you know, I appreciate you asking me to come in and do this workshop, and it shows great, um, you know, willingness to try something different on your part. But I want you to be aware that what's going to emerge are a lot of things that normally might be hidden. And, you know, if you really don't want to address the real problem, if you really don't want to know the truth, then don't bring me in. Right. Um, because yeah. if we go down this path, and it's, it's, it's not threatening by any stretch, but if we go down this path, the real stuff is going to emerge. And it's out of looking at the real stuff that we're going to find the real solutions. And so if you want to do that, by all means, let's go ahead. And, and people pretty much uniformly say, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of a session, you know, we sit around and say, unbelievable. Look at the walls around us. They're covered with drawings, maybe a bit like some of those cave paintings, you know, lots of drawings mm-hmm. up on the wall that were created by all these people in the room that are an expression of ideas about this business or about this idea that normally would have just been talked about, and normally we would have no good record of them, and there they are. We've just generated 20 or 30 or 50 completely new ideas that everybody can see and get immediately. And, you know, there's truth in that. There's real profound truth in what we're now seeing. This is, um, you know, for, for me as a life and business coach, this is so empowering because I like to think that, you know, I specialize in helping people get unstuck. And I'm always looking at the emotional side of that stuck piece. You know, this is the next to me. It's the next level of getting unstuck. Okay, so we've gotten your emotions free. Now let's free your ideas and and give yourself permission to to really get out of that box and and make your business soar. It's very exciting. Well, you know, Marla, you've just described a really fascinating little sequence, and let's, let's create a very simple visual, mental visual of what you just described. I would like us all to imagine that there are three circles moving from one side to the other, left to right, right to left, it doesn't matter, but imagine that there's three circles lined up, and the first one says, I'm stuck, and the second one says, emotional issues, and the third one says, intellectual issues. You've nailed it, because to move from unstuck to outside of this, you know, cycle of being stuck, you're right. We need to unblock our, whatever's holding us back emotionally. And as we do that, we can use pictures to do that, too, and that's something that might be fun to talk about as well. But you're right. I tend, because I tend to be brought in in business settings mm-hmm. where there is a belief. It's not really founded, but there's a belief that we're talking about the rational and the intellectual. (laughs) And, um, you know, the fact is we're never going to solve at a rational or an intellectual level deep, Mm -mm. challenging problems until we've addressed the emotional side. But let's face it again, in a business context, generally emotion is kind of kept at the door. We're we're not going to bring our emotional side in here. You know, this is business. This is dollars and cents. This is bottom line. But, again, this is where there's that subtle play that happens with the idea of drawing because, you know, it works in two ways. One is when we draw, we become happy. 
The second one, is, and that does unleash some emotional well-being that helps to unblock a lot of things that, that um, allow us to proceed. But at the same time, there are lots of ways that we can use drawing to help us find what is our emotional state or our emotional thinking about an idea or, or a fear. And we're going to look at some of those ways when we come back from this break. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Y'all wear your hands. Look who's on. It's the Coda Man Keith and he's number one. Now you might think one's youth was sad because right. he had a death kill mommy and dad. Right. But that ain't the case. Nope. It wasn't his fate. No, nope. the ones never struggled to communicate. Ha. Y'all wear your hands. Look who's on. It's the Coda Man Keith. It's That Keith Wine Show on Toginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 central. Every week, That Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wine and the show, go to his website, KeithWineWANN.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number, number one, Keith's number one, everybody Don't miss That Keith Wine Show, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Booyah! That's the word uttered when you know you have the upper hand. Or you're the winner. Well, now we have the Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressey. Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Martin's show is all about helping speakers and authors find their niche, create their brand, and achieve massive success. Each week, Martin will interview guests from around the world who have achieved tremendous success as speakers and authors. You'll find out who they are, what they do, and how you can follow in their footsteps to achieve incredible results. Guests will come from around the world of business, entertainment, finance, the arts, and sciences. Nothing is off topic. No subject too taboo. We'll share valuable information as well as huge laughs as we discover the ups and downs of being a successful speaker and author. The Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressey. Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on Togedat.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And we're here talking about thinking visually and verbally, a better way than words alone, that our guest today, Dan Rome, calls vivid thinking. So, Dan, I've been eager to talk a little bit about the fox and the hummingbird metaphor, because I love that. Explain to us what that is. Okay. Well, let's take a half step back. You introduced the idea of vivid thinking. So vivid is just a mnemonic uh, that I use to help me remember um, what I'm trying to achieve. And vivid, you know, V-I-V-I-D, stands for visual, verbal, interdependent thinking. So, you know, I'm one of those people whose memory just sucks. <laughs> you know, I do not have the memory that I would like to. So I'm always relying on mental hooks 
and mnemonics and, and um, visuals and things like that to help me remember ideas. So vivid helped me remember visual verbal interdependent, which means we're going to lock together. We're going to put together our verbal mind and our visual mind. So what does that mean? Well, this introduces this notion of the fox and the hummingbird. Here's the thought. All of us, of course, are familiar with this, the concept of left brain and right brain thinking, mm-hmm. that as humans, as mammals, we have a bilobed neocortex, that's to say the top part of our brain, uh, is split in half, left and right. And that is, that is true. Uh, and it is also true that um, each half of the brain controls the other half of our body. Now, there's something incredibly wonderful about the model that says that half of our brain is verbal and half is visual, and half of our brain is analytic and half is synthetic. Unfortunately, it's not really true. What we know is that um, there are subtle distinctions between the two halves, the two hemispheres of our brain. They do um, participate in different functions of how we go about our life, but it's not as clear-cut as many of us, myself included, really liked to think about a few years ago. It's much more subtle and nuanced. But here's what we know. It, is, it does appear to be true that one half of our brain tends to like to look at the world in terms of little bits, focusing on little bits at a time. And the other half of our brain tends to like to look at the world in terms of the whole. And it's the balance of the two that allow us to be, you know, frankly, successful creatures on this planet. Because the part that looks at little bits is the part that allows us to pick something up and, and understand it in detail. And the part that looks at the whole is the part that's keeping our peripheral vision awake and letting us know that, you know, as long as we're staring at this thing in our hand, we better also have a certain amount of perception of what's going on around us so that we don't get blindsided by something coming in from, you know, from behind. Mm-hmm. So, what I thought is, I want to try to come up with a better model for the distinction between those two ways of thinking than just a verbal model, like left brain, right brain, synthetic, analytic. And so I thought, well, why not come up with a visual model? And, you know, we're, we're, we've all been in marketing. You know, we all know that if you want to make a message stick, if you make it animated and come alive, that there's a, you know, people will remember it. Now, this is the same way that they sell children uh, or parents of children. You know, how do we pick certain breakfast cereals? Because they have little animals on them. You know, there's a great appeal there. So I thought, well, what would happen if I just identified and assigned the two different halves of our brain two different representative animals? And so that's what I came up with. So on one, one half of our brain is what I consider the fox. Very clever, very linear, very sly, um, very smart and perhaps a little bit smug. You know, and if you think about a fox, you know, who, a fox has been used as a metaphor for, for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years, to represent someone who's very clever. And that, to me, sounds very much like our verbal brain. We pull together a string of thoughts, and we lay them out, A, B, C, D, and we make an outline, and we write a five-paragraph essay, and it's very linear. It begins here, and it ends over here. And along the way, it takes us through a lot of interesting ideas. That's very much the way the fox works. Mm-hmm. And that's most of the way that we learn how to approach the world. And after we've done that, after we've taken our complex idea and we've broken it down into, you know, 
A, B, C, D, and we've written it out over a series of pages from beginning to end, we think, there, I'm very clever. I now know my idea very well. That's the fox. But what about the fact, what about that other part of our mind, the part that sees the whole, that's not interested in A, B, C, D, but is interested in seeing the entire forest all at once? And that's where I thought, well, that's more like a hummingbird. And, you know, I don't know if if you or any of the folks that are listening to us have ever actually seen a hummingbird in flight, but Mm -hmm. where I live out here in California, we have a lot of them right in the backyard. And the amazing thing about a hummingbird is that that little critter is so fast That, you know, she's not in one place here and then over there and then over there. There's no A, B, C, D about a hummingbird. There is, you know, the hummingbird almost seems to be literally in five different places at the same time. The hummingbird is not going to write a five-paragraph essay describing something. The hummingbird is going to create a map. And that map will have instances and visuals of the entire problem in it all in one place. So I hope this is making sense. That's the model. We teach our fox all the time. And I've got two daughters that are in elementary and middle school now, and I see most of the way that they're taught. And it's this sort of forcing mechanism that says you don't understand something until you can write it A, B, C, D. And I say, well, that's half right. But what about the other half that says I understand something incredibly clearly because I can draw a map, a mind map, or a timeline, or um, you know, a road map that shows the whole thing at once. It's not linear. It's the entire picture at one time. I can draw that too. And we have to be able to put the two together in order to say that we really understand an idea. And, and Marla, at the risk of, of venturing into political territory just for a moment in kind of a non-political way, A couple of years ago, I became very concerned with the state of our nation in terms of health care reform. You know, I saw a lot of really well-intentioned people on both sides of the political spectrum getting into real nasty fights about, you know, reforming health care. And I realized that from my perspective, the problem wasn't that we necessarily all disagreed on what reforming health care meant. The problem is nobody knew what it meant. Yes. <laughs> and, and so I thought, well, let's go look at the original documents. What is it that we're arguing about? And I went and I downloaded the laws. And you end up with, you know, written documents, 1,500 pages long, 10,000 bullet points. How is anybody going to be able to understand that? So I thought, well, what would happen if I tried to draw some pictures that said, this is what health care looks like in the United States today, some simple maps. And this is what it will look like if, you know, various forms of of reform are undertaken. So I created this set of pictures, and I posted it online, and it had millions of responses. And people were writing back, thousands of them saying, you know, thank you for having clarified. You've laid out the landscape. The thought was this. If you think about a topic as complex as healthcare, it is impossible to describe it with words. It is impossible. I don't care who you are. You can be the most fluent orator in all time. It is impossible to describe healthcare with words because it is a multidimensional, multifaceted, highly complex environment. The only way to represent it is with a picture. And then once you've drawn the picture, then you can add the narration later if you want. We do it backwards. We say, write up healthcare. Can't be done. No wonder we're fighting. No wonder nobody understands it. We've set ourselves an impossible task. The tools at hand, the verbal tools that we have, 
and that we've largely limited ourselves to cannot stand up to this task. We have to learn to become more visual. Once we've created the map that shows here's where we are and here's where we're going to go, then we can write all the narration we want. And if people can read the narration at the same time that they're looking at the picture, I've seen it myself. Everybody gets it. And then our conversations move from anger to understanding. Mm, that is just a fascinating story. You know, as you're talking, Dan, I'm thinking how we try and take such a multi-dimensional, complex subject and flatten it out with 1,500 pages of words, and you're giving it dimension again. It's you're breathing life back into it, basically. I think um, so. Yeah. 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 Where well, and it's is, not is, just healthcare. I mean, it's you know, we work with we work yeah. with. The reason I love the fox and the hummingbird metaphor is, you know, you've already touched on it. In your work with helping people get unstuck emotionally and then unstuck intellectually, you know, when someone starts to discuss what they're really feeling, I think it often starts to come out as a big mass. You know, there's so much that suddenly gets unblocked and then it's all thrown out at once and it leads to even more confusion sometimes. That's where our visual mind can be extraordinarily helpful to us. You know, um, it's very, very difficult for many people, myself included, to say, Dan, you know, can you write down what you're feeling? Can you write down your idea? Well, I'm feeling 27 different things at the same time. Which one should I start with? Yeah. You know, my emotional state is a lot like healthcare. You know, there's all these different forces working on each other. There's happiness. There's sadness. There's confidence, lack of confidence. There's fear. There's excitement. All at the same time. No, I, I can't write down at a starting point any one of them, but I could make a map that shows intersecting circles, and I could work from that. And it's it, as from an unblocking technique, there's, there's something very powerful about just taking a pen and a piece of paper and not writing lists. I mean, if you want to write a list, go ahead, but try drawing some circles. You know, what's this big circle over here? Is that my worry? Is that my financial concern? What's this circle over here? Is that my happiness or, or my desire to do something good? How do those circles overlap? It's a very different process, and it really does unleash that hummingbird. You know, let her have a go at it instead of yeah, always trying to get the fox really to nail does. it down. Dan, we're going to go into another break, and, and we're beginning to go in this direction. When we come back, I'd love to talk more about practical application. A lot of our listeners are business owners, entrepreneurs, and and I know that they can bring this application into their business and in sales presentations and working with their employees and, and even brainstorming on their own for themselves. So, um, I'd like to come back and give some practical application tips. And we are here with with author Dan Rome talking about his latest book, which is a, a must-have, frankly, uh, blah, 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 what to do when, when words don't work. And, and you'll find that anywhere in any of your bookstores, Amazon, whatever. And make sure to visit Dan on danrome.com. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. 
Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, The Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what The Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to Teen Driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. Just want to remind everyone out there to make sure and visit last week's Eek article because it's a fabulous piece. I interviewed Joy Schofler from Leverage PR, and she talks about actually raising capital through PR. PR isn't just about marketing anymore. You can actually leverage it, thus leverage PR, to raise capital for your business. So that's exciting as well. And this week, we are honored and privileged to have Dan Rome on the show. Thanks so much again for being here, Dan. I'm, I, the time is just going by too fast. <laughs> Thank you, Marla. It always does. <laughs> it really does. And we're in the last segment of the show already. I'm like, okay, let's talk. So let's get practical, shall we? <laughs> yeah, let's. <laughs> well, we've, you know, we've ventured into a little bit about neurobiology. We've ventured into a little bit about education, a little bit about politics, and a little about emo- emotion, all of which are wonderful points. But in the end, like you, I'm a business person. And, you know, I apply these tools every single day with clients that I work with, uh, you know, around the world. And that's really where I think in many ways my greatest joy is because, let's face it, you know, business makes the world go around. And when business breaks down, nothing else seems to function very well. So the real essence of, of everything I've tried to do both derives from the work that I've done with business people and is aimed back towards the business people that I hope to work with one day. Um, and so uh, from a practical perspective, uh, what I really like to focus on is a very simple idea. And it's one, it is the thread that underpins all of my work that says we are really good business problem solvers 
when we rely on pictures. That is to say, if there is any business problem that we might be facing, it is a financial crisis or it is a marketing challenge or it's a product development challenge or it's a program management challenge, any problem, any challenge that we have the ability to articulate at all, we can illuminate infinitely more clearly when we start to add pictures to it. And the pictures do not need to be complicated. So from a very practical perspective, um, what my books are about is a set of very simple tools and then some rules on how to use them to say, look at the type of problem you face. What type of picture would help you clarify that problem? And what I've been able to do is at a high level, essentially break down every type of business problem that exists into a very simple set of, of broad categories. There are problems that have to do with quantity. That is, I don't have enough money or I don't have enough people. That's, that's what I would call a how much problem. There are other problems that have to do with what I'm going to call uh, location or where problems. And those are problems that say, you know, in which market, where in the market should I position my product? Or after which customer segment should I, should I, um, most sort of pursue problems that have to do with saying, here's a market, where within that market do I sit, and so on. And then the thought is, if you can identify the underlying nature of, the, of, of elements of the problem, there are a very small set of pictures that are very easy to create that, are, that will help you think through how to address that piece of the problem. And then as we begin to draw them, the entire problem eventually snaps into focus in a way that simply wouldn't have happened if we were just sitting in the, in the conference room talking about it because we've captured it visually, and captured is a good word because once we've drawn those pictures, those maps, those road maps, those mind maps, those charts, what have you, they're on the wall where we can still see them, and that's where our mind lights up because it can make the connections and recognize the patterns between these different images. So... Um, from a practical perspective, there's a very simple way to start, and that is as follows. The next time any of us face a challenge, again, it could be anything. Let's, let's just pick one. Let's just say that today, um, my big problem of today is that um, I'm behind. Oh, here's a good one because this is actually real. I'm behind on paying my taxes. I, I, am behind, I fall behind in the last quarter on getting my, my uh, tax forms done, and now I'm behind. So there's a problem. So what picture would I draw to try to clarify that? We, draw, we start every picture the same way. I don't care what the problem is. We don't worry about saying, I don't know how to draw. We don't worry saying, I can't imagine what picture to draw. We simply take a piece of paper, and in one corner of that paper, we draw a little circle, and we give it a name, and we label that circle me. Because the way our mind works is we tend to put ourselves in the center of every problem. So go ahead and get that down. And then draw another circle off to one side and maybe make it bigger and say, you know, this is my schedule. And then draw another circle over here and label this one, you know, my taxes. And let's go ahead within that one labeled my taxes, let's draw a little chart, um, a little bar chart that shows, you know, what is the amount that I owe. And in that scheduling circle, you know, let's draw a circle that says timing and say, you know, let's draw a, a, a little calendar in there. And now let's start to connect them and say, what is the relationship between me and my calendar and, you know, my tax payment? Well, 
you know, let's see what starts to emerge because then arrows emerge and we start to draw connections between them and then we start to add more circles. And before we know it, what we've done is we've begun to capture the underlying challenges. There's a financial challenge, there's a timing challenge, and there's kind of a, a personal challenge, which is, you know, who wants to pay their taxes? You know, that's the last thing I want to do when I'm having a busy, a busy month. So I've now started to say within this map I'm creating, where are my solutions going to emerge? Well, do I need to be clearer on my calendar? Do I need to make sure that I block out time for me, you know, once a month to make sure that I've taken care of this? Or is the problem that I didn't have the money in the account to pay for it? Well, what can I do about that? And I go on, Marla, but the point I'd like to illustrate, literally, is that the creation of this simple picture puts the entire problem and all of the issues around it in a place where we can see it. And, and it took no longer to draw that picture than it's taken us to describe it. And now that we've got the picture, we can, we can share it with someone else. And then we hand them the pen. And we say to someone else, you know, where do you think there are solutions within here? And, you know, they might add more circles or more arrows. And then we've got a collaborative thing going back and forth where we are both seeing exactly the same picture, and we are both going to start to see the same solutions emerging. And, you know, the little exercise I've just described applies for everything. Project management, you know, when are we going to get everything done? It applies to brainstorming. You know, let's say we make this product over here. What kind of product would we like to make? It applies to marketing. You know, we're, we're out there, we're appealing to, you know, demographic X. Let's say that, you know, our product or our service has appealed to, to you know, uh, I don't know, 25-year-old uh, urban males um, in the following zip codes or something. We say, okay, well, what could we do to make that market bigger or to find more people within that? We're drawing more circles. Any problem we can identify, we can make clearer through these very simple set of pictures. I encourage everyone to do it. It is so simple, and it's it's um, it's good to know. It, it sort of releases a, a bit of the stress to know that you don't have to be an artist. That anybody can really do this. It's circles and squares and things like this. It's, exactly, yes. and in fact, it's encouraging because often I'll find that the people who are who turn out to be the very very best at this kind of simple block and tackling visual problem solving are people who often said, "I can't draw." People who um, actually believe that they're not. Visual, and it's a real breakthrough when when they realize when we realize how simple it is. Draw a circle, draw a box. All of us can do that. You know, if you're feeling really charged up, go ahead and draw a stick figure, and then draw some arrows connecting them. What's bigger? What's smaller? What's the position? All kinds of things will emerge, and we didn't need a shred of artistic talent to do it. Right, right. And uh, skimming through your book, I see. Yeah, those arrows are big. They're important. They take us to that next step. Stick figures, arrows, boxes, and circles, you've got it. That's all we yeah, need. Yeah, yeah. So, so, Dan, what about in, in reaching a prospect's mind? Um, so we've, we've used this for problem solving, and prospects have problems, and we're here to solve them. So, But it may feel rather awkward for a business owner to go into a prospect's office and, and start doodling and drawing. Uh, do we prepare presentations in, in a different way? How do we utilize this in that case? Yes, on all counts. In fact, um, I know time is limited, so I'll make it very, very quick. What we do is we, we realize that visual problem solving, you know, this notion of the back of the napkin, sometimes is spontaneous, but none of us are that clever all the time. So what we're actually going to do is we're going to practice. And let's face it, you know, for most of us in business, I'm a small business owner myself, 
probably the single most important thing that I can do on a daily basis is make sure that I'm clear on selling my message to potential clients and, and partners. So what I practice all the time is making a visual version of my elevator pitch. You know, we're all familiar with the idea of an elevator pitch, you know, a 15 to 30 mm-hmm. second summary. When we meet someone, they say, what do you do? You say, you know, I da 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 and hopefully they'll never forget it. The trouble is they do because it's just verbal. But imagine if you're sitting there, you know, in an airport cafe or, you know, in the bar or, you know, on the bus, who knows what, or in a meeting room. Yeah. And you pull out a piece of paper and you say, look, here's what I'd really like to share with you. I think there are three underlying pieces to the problem and the solution. And you draw three circles and then you label them. And then you keep, you keep talking and drawing. Now, keep in mind, this is a drawing you've created before, and you've rehearsed this, and you've ah. practiced this, so you're confident. So this idea of just sitting there doodling in front of a customer, eh, you're not doodling. You're actually helping encourage you know, yourself and the other person to really engage around this idea. And I will tell you, Marla, what happens is it completely changes the nature of the meeting especially in a sales situation, because by virtue of pulling out a piece of paper and drawing on it, you are showing some courage, you're showing some conviction, and you're showing some confidence, but you're also doing it in a way that invites someone to collaborate with you. Mm -hmm. And you know that you've won the sale. Mm -hmm. The moment the person across the table says, you know, Marla, that's a pretty good representation of my problem, but can I have the pen? Because I'd actually add another (laughs) circle over here. You know, yeah. it's just shifted from a sale to now you are already working together. You know, you've, you're done. <laughs> Your work yeah. here is done. The sale has been made. You're now collaborating on the solution and, you know, the project is already underway. Uh, wow, I'm pumped. I'm going to start doing all of my um, prospect calls on, in the webinar <laughs> setting. So. Oh, absolutely. Please yeah. do. And draw. Oh, my gosh, people will not want to get off the phone. How's that for a sales call? When is the last time that, that ever happened when you can't get the prospect off the phone? Right, right. Oh, gosh, Dan, this has just been so much fun. And um, I just want to encourage everybody to hop over to Inc. and and read our interview there. And we're leaving in about 10 seconds. So tell our listeners where they can find you. They can find me easily. And you mentioned it. I'm email dan at danrome.com. Or if people want to know more, watch some videos and download some of my tools. It's just real simple www.danrom d-a-n-r-o-a-m.com thank you dan and we'll see everyone here next week thank you for being a part of the million dollar mindset with marla tabaka on toginet if you've always known there was more out there for you but you just weren't sure how to get there and if you